This is their new hoax. But you know, we did something that's been pretty amazing. We're all feeling the impact of coronavirus. Today, Qantas stood down 20,000 people, and of course, they're joining a long list. If I get corona, I get corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me from partying. Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. Welcome to Nursing Review's new podcast. Each episode, we'll look at a different aspect of the pandemic, tackling myths, talking research, and keeping you informed. Right, and then I see the disinfectant, where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost... My name is Connor Burke, and this is the Nursing Review Coronavirus Podcast. Throughout the pandemic, academics have posited the idea that COVID-19 could become a regular part of life, much like the flu. New research from the University of Sydney and Fudan University might support this theory. And joining me to talk about the study is Professor Michael Ward, an epidemiologist in the Sydney School of Veterinary Science at Sydney University. Michael, you were part of research that suggests that COVID might become a seasonal thing, like the common cold or the flu. Can you tell us about the work? Yeah, sure. We uh, we looked at cases uh, reported in New South Wales in Australia uh, from the beginning of the pandemic uh, through to the end of March. So we looked at just cases which were locally acquired. So we, we excluded any cases from overseas or interstate. So these were all locally acquired cases. And then we looked at was there an association with climate? So we are looking at um, at rainfall, at relative humidity, and also at temperature. So these were recorded at the um, weather recording stations that are closest to each case uh, based on their postcode. So what we found was that during that period, and remember this was sort of the initial part of the uh, the epidemic leading up to the peak of um, cases that were reported, we found that humidity was associated with the reporting of cases, um, but temperature and rainfall were not. And what we found with humidity was the more or, or the less humid it was, the more cases that were reported. And the more humid it was, the less cases that were reported. So it seemed to be that dry air conditions, so low humidity, seemed to be associated with um, the cases that were occurring during that, uh, that time of the year. So we've seen throughout the pandemic that there has been a lot of work coming out around um, how heat might kill the virus and humidity as well. What is it about humidity that seems to affect certain viruses, Michael? Yeah, there's well, well there's there's a lot more work coming out just in the last probably month um, because we're still fairly early in this uh, pandemic. Um, but the work coming out does seem to keep suggesting that humidity is an important factor. There's there's some conflicting results about temperature, but humidity seems to be an, an underlying factor. And it also seems to be that it depends where you are. So you know, we can't really make a global statement. Um, it's probably very much a regional specific uh, phenomenon. Um, what was interesting was what led to this research was we did a very similar study in China, and that was published um, a couple of months ago now. And in that, humidity was also found to be important in the early phases of the epidemic in China. Um, temperature was as well. But that was in, um, if you remember, I mean, the pandemic started in, in Wuhan in the middle of the northern winter, um, and humidity was important. 
But we found the same thing in New South Wales in the Southern Hemisphere when the epidemic started in the middle of summer. So regardless of, of the timing, whether it's the northern winter or the southern summer, this humidity relationship seems to be present. So it seems to be more sort of universal or generic that humidity does seem to play a role. And that's also based on some previous research with SARS um, in Hong Kong and China when it first emerged, um, 2004, 2003, 2004, that humidity seemed to be important. And the same thing was observed with uh, MERS, which is the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome um, in Saudi Arabia. Humidity also seemed to be important there. So taking all of this this emerging research uh, and the results that are starting to, to come through together, it certainly seems that humidity is playing a role. Whether temperature is playing the same role, maybe in some cases it does, in other cases maybe it doesn't. And so what is the science of that? Is it something to do with the weight of the droplets? Mm-hmm. Well, this, I mean, it sort of makes sense, biological sense, because um, when the air is less humid, there's less water in the air, um, sort of by definition. And it's known that um, droplets and aerosols, so when you, for example, if you're infected with um, coronavirus and you're sneezing or coughing, you have this aerosolized virus, so it's sort of associated with the droplets. Um, when the air is is dry, those droplets tend to be small or smaller, so they can float, they can stay suspended in the air for a longer period. When the air has more water in it, so it's more humid, these droplets tend to be bigger, so they're heavier and they drop faster. So you don't get, you certainly get aerosolized virus, but it doesn't stay in the air for such a long period. And that's the sort of underlying biological explanation why humidity is important. It's, it's related to the time that this infectious material is in the air, therefore the opportunity for, for more people to be infected. So, Michael, how will your work help us prepare for a future with COVID-19? Well, we're sort of looking to the, to the future that um, with climate, if climate is important, therefore this disease is going to be a seasonal disease um, or it's going to show peaks in certain seasons um, depending on on where you live. So that's important in terms of public health, in terms of preparedness. Um, It's a little bit like the flu, the seasonal flu, that we can anticipate flu season. Um, In that case, we have a vaccine, so encourage people to get vaccinated before the season. Um, And also, you know, human behaviour during during the, the risky periods. So it'd be similar to um, COVID-19. If it does develop into this pattern, um, certainly there might be more restrictions maybe in those high-risk periods, um, more public um, education, more advice. Um, We'd just sort of be more alert um, to clusters of COVID-19 cases. Um, At the moment, without a vaccine, we can't really stop it. But knowing when there's a high risk versus a low risk does help with our public health preparedness. Michael, I've seen ideas about offices and malls experimenting with aircon, airflow, humidifiers. Could these work to get us all back into the workplace and out into the world again? Yes, that's true. Um, now, this, these studies and, and the studies that have been done are based on humidity and temperature uh, recorded at weather stations. So this is essentially outside um, humidity and temperature. Um, 
we that there's a correlation between that and what's inside. The difficulty is it's really hard to do these sort of studies measuring temperatures inside and humidity inside. We just don't have that data. But if we're prepared to sort of extrapolate these findings, um, in theory, it would be that if we can increase the humidity inside our, our offices, homes, um, shopping malls and so on, that might have a protective effect on transmission if there is infectious people within those environments. That's yet to be studied um, and there needs to be evidence of that, but, but these initial studies would point in that direction that maybe that's something that could help uh, reduce the risk of transmission. Michael Ward from the University of Sydney, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.